Ben and I are seated. We're going to do some expositional dialogue this morning. We're glad you're here with us tonight. Hopefully you can see us. Ben and I are not the uh, tallest of individuals. We should have raised our stage for those in the back. It'll be all right. You can hear us. And we're here to celebrate the birth of our Savior. We'd like to ask all the kids who want to. If you don't want to come, you don't have to. But those who want to come, we'd love for you to come and sit down here right in front of us. And uh, we've got uh, a special gift for you. So come on down. Come on. Is that you, Garrett? Okay. Come on, have a seat. We've got a special gift for you all. Yeah, there we go, there we go. All right. a spare, just in case, unless somebody, there it there is. There we go. We were prepared for this. We knew it. I was naughty. <laughs> <laughs> we got a gift for him? We do. So guys, today, we want to welcome you. We got a special gift for you guys. Are you guys excited? Yeah. Uh, I don't know if you really want this gift. Do you want this gift? Yeah. All right. I'm really excited. So here you go. Wait, 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 wait. Oh. Don't you think we ought to wait and, you know, kind of like Christmas, build up the anticipation? <laughs> I mean, it's the anticipation of Christmas. What do you think, Ben? I don't know. I mean, I think, I think it's Christmas time. I think they want their presents, right? But we're, um, we're going to wait. We're going to have them anticipated. It okay. builds it up a little bit. All right, guys. So like Judge said, Pastor Judge said, we got a special gift for you. We'll get it for you, but um, you need to be patient. Um, trust me, you're going to like this. Okay. Yes, and we're going to be talking about a very special gift tonight, and it's about the Lord Jesus Christ, and it's an honor to get to talk about him tonight. You know, Judd, most of us have been to a Christmas Eve service, right? We've all been to a Christmas Eve service. We've seen the nativity scene. We know what the Christmas story is all about. And so we've all watched Christmas movies, been to school plays, things like that. And so I'm sure we all know about the birth, the manger, the three wise men, etc., yeah, you're right, man. But often what happens, and I love a good Christmas story, but what happens is too many times if you go to a Christmas Eve service, we want to make so much of it that often pastors, like you're not yourself and myself, we often take, uh, make too much of the text or make too little of the text, and sometimes we just skip passages altogether. What do you mean? Well, before we get started, we're going to look at four things, four mistakes pastors make on Christmas and the one thing that really matters, but I'm going to start with a the classic Christmas passage, just Matthew 1. Starting in uh, chapter 1 of Matthew, verse 1, the book of the genealogy of Jesus Christ, the son of David, the son of Abraham. And we'll move through a few verses here to 18, where it says, Now the birth of Jesus Christ took place in this way. When his mother Mary had been betrothed to Joseph, before they came together, she was found to be with child from the Holy Spirit. And her husband Joseph... Being a just man and unwilling to put her to shame, resolved to divorce her quietly. 
But as he considered these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not fear to take Mary as your wife, for that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. When Joseph woke from sleep, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded him. He took his wife, but knew her not until she had given birth to a son, and he called his name Jesus. That's good. Yes. So, I, I did something wrong there, didn't I? What's that? I skipped over the genealogy. Well, you know, Judd, you're not alone. I got to tell you, a lot of people, and I've done this too, you read through the genealogy and you just kind of skip it. You know, a lot of us, I think, are guilty of that. We really don't take the time to really look at the genealogy because uh, it's just long words and names we can't pronounce, right? But It's man, like the I, Jerusalem phone book. Yeah, yeah, it is. And when you read this section closely, names really stand out to you like, like Rehoboam, Abijah, Joram, Ahaz, Manasseh, Jehoiakim, and his brothers. You see, Jesus was perfect. We know that. But he didn't exactly come from the perfect family line. What do you mean? Well, um, let's just say his family put the fun in dysfunctional. <laughs> I mean, that's, that's really what it comes down to. That's in good. Matthew chapter 1, verse 21, when the angel tells Joseph to name the baby Jesus because he's going to be the one to save his people from their sins. I mean, you can only imagine what, what Joseph must have been thinking at this time. You're right. And, and you know, when I, I didn't read the genealogy, but as I look at it, there are some women included in the genealogy, and that was kind of rare at the time, wasn't it? Yeah, it, it actually was. It was pretty rare. And, and you want to know what's even crazier is these aren't exactly the women you would expect. I mean, we're not talking about Sarah or Rebecca. I mean, we're talking about uh, Tamar, who seduced her father-in-law, Rahab, who was a prostitute, Ruth, who was part of the Moabites, and even... Wait, wait, wait. Uh, what are you, why are you making a big deal of the Moabites? I mean, I've been to Moab. I like... I mean, Moabites is good. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah, Moabites is cool. That's a good place. But you see, the Moabites originated out of incest. That's right. That's right. Great yeah. point. Great yeah. point. So finally, we have the wife of Uriah. She was conceived as a result of an adulterous relationship with King David. You know, and if that wasn't enough, all four women had Gentile connections. You see, Tamar and Rahab were, Can were Can Gentile or Canaanites. Ruth was a Moabite, like you said, and Uriah's wife was married to a Hittite. So, I mean, what's your point of all this? I mean, everybody's here wondering about the story of Christmas. Well, I mean... God sent his son, Jesus. We know that. And see, it's not just for the Jewish people, but for the Gentiles. See, you who's an American, me who's Mexicano-Americano, and even some British Americanos here. <laughs> so, um, you, couldn't, man, you, you couldn't do the accent, I, I, could you? I, I, I couldn't do the accent. No, that was horrible. <laughs> Scratch that one. But you see, the point is, Jesus came not only for the Jews, but for the Gentiles. For me, you... I mean, that's an amazing Christmas present. The kids are excited about this present, but that's probably the best one yet. You know, Judd, I'd like to show a short video. 
And it doesn't just skip the names of the genealogy. It actually sings, they sing the song, the genealogy and song. So let's watch that. I think you'll like it. America's Christmas Channel. Isaac, he had Jacob, Jacob, he had Judah and his kin. Then Perez and Zerah came from Judah's woman, Tamar. Perez, he brought Hezron up, and then came Aram, then Amenadab, then Nashon, who was then the dad of Salmon, who with Rahab fathered Boaz. Ruth, she married Boaz, who had Obed, who had Jesse. Jesse, he had David, who we know as king. David, he had Solomon by dead Uriah's wife. Solomon, well, you all know him. He had good old Rehoboam, followed by Abijah, who had Asa. Asa had Jehoshaphat, had Joram, had Isaiah, who had Jotham, then Ahaz, then Hezekiah. Followed by Manasseh, who had Amon, who was Amen, who was father of a good boy named Josiah, who grandfathered Jehoiakim, who caused the Babylonian captivity because he was a liar, which isn't really true, but it rhymes. <laughs> then we had Shealtiel, who begat Zerubbabel, who had Abiud, who had Eliakim. Like him had Azer, who had Zadok, who had Achim. Achim was the father of Eliadim. He had Eliezer, who had Nathan, who had Jacob. Now listen very closely, I don't want to sing this twice. Jacob was the father of Joseph, husband of Mary, mother of Christ. That is good, Ben. Thanks for sharing. Yeah. That's a great way to put the, the genealogy yeah. Yeah, I think uh, to song. I'm thinking of having Garrett do that through First yeah, Chronicles 1 through that. 9. Yeah, I think that's great. Yeah. Kids, did you like that? It was a pretty catchy song, wasn't it? Well, I've got a picture for you. Can you tell me what that is? Can you tell me what that is? That is baby Jesus. Do you know what the whole scene's called? The manger scene, the nativity scene. You're right. You know, that picture is very familiar to you guys, to me, to all of us here, right? We all recognize that picture. So Jesus was born in a stable because there was no room in the inn. I grew up being told that story, and that's what I know. Well, you know, through the years, people have taken a lot of liberty with the nativity scene. Hmm. You had a video. I've got one, too. Oh, well, let's see. I'm the nativity play, <gasps> and I'm the lobster. The lobster? Yeah. In the nativity play? Yeah, first lobster. There was more than one lobster present at the birth of Jesus. Duh. There probably was not a lobster in the nativity scene. And you know, Mary and Joseph had their fair share of struggles, but probably finding a place to stay in Bethlehem was probably not one of them. Hmm. Well, what do you mean by that? Catalama. Oh, bless you. No, no, Catalama. Yeah, it's a Greek word. You see it up there, Catalama. Kids, say with me, Catalama. Now you know a Greek word. You know what it means? The Greek word means lodging place or guest room. Hmm. Wait, wait, wait. Wait a minute. You're not going to burst my bubble or any of their bubbles. I know right here in Luke chapter 2, verse 7, it says this. 
She gave birth to her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling clothes and laid him in a manger because there was no place for them in the inn. You're right. I mean, all the major translations say the inn. ESV, the New American Standard, even the blessed KJV. But I think the NIV gets it probably closer to what the original meant. And she gave birth to her firstborn, a son. She wrapped him in clothes and placed him in a manger. We all agree it was a manger because there was no guest room for him. You see, that word, katalama, is only used three times in the gospel. It's used one other time here in Luke 22, uh, 11. I can read it here for you and tell the master of the house. So this is a master's house. The teacher says to you, where's the guest room where I made the Passover with my disciples? And the idea is it's the same word used at the Last Supper. Why are we going to go make it the inn in the beginning of the story? And what has happened is pastors over the years have said because the, Jesus couldn't stay in the inn, therefore the innkeeper was mean, and we make a really big deal out of something that shouldn't have been a big deal at all. Hmm. That's pretty good. All right, well, you asked the kids a question, so now I'm going to ask the adults a question. I got a picture for you here. So you got that picture right there. We all recognize that picture. Kid, don't tell the adults. They may not know the answer. Adults, how many wise men were there? Three. Three. Well, Ben, I agree with the kids and any adult who would like to answer the question. <laughs> well, there's three. Everybody knows there's three. I mean, we sing the song, We Three Kings. Let me, let me read you the, the okay. scriptures. Go ahead, go ahead. Now, after the... Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the days of Herod the king. Behold, wise men mm -hmm. from the east came to, from Jerusalem. And in 11, it says, And going to the house, they saw the child with Mary his mother, and they fell down and worshipped him. Then opening their treasures, they, those are the wise men, the three wise men, offered him gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. Hmm. Well, Jed, the problem with this is that sometimes we refer to the Magi as the three wise men. And the Magi weren't exactly wise in the sense of being sages or scholars in fact they weren't even kings did you know that so you we know? sing we three kings and they, they yeah weren't kings. i know i know but the most shocking part of this is that there may not have necessarily been three i mean most people and most of us have just kind of grown up know, thinking that and assumed that there were three wise men because there were three gifts that were brought to them hmm. so maybe tonight we we could help the people and the kids see the irony and the wonder of the magi's wisdom yeah you, you know, that sounds good. And you see, Matthew's readers, when they would have read this, they would have actually viewed the Magi negatively, not like we see them today. So what you're saying is the Magi weren't really, I, I've seen it on Christmas cards, wise men still seek him, but these probably weren't wise men who were following wisdom and finally, in their pursuit of wisdom, ended up following Jesus. Yeah, exactly. And so despite their limited knowledge and the hostility of Herod's court, they were still interested in the message that was given to them. And they responded by worshiping Jesus. You see, I think when it comes down to it, there are really only two ways to, to celebrate Christmas. There's, there's, you hear the message, and you can either reject it like King Herod and try to get rid of the Jesus, or you can accept it and bow down and worship. That's good. I'm, I'm glad you mentioned Herod because that's, that's one of the other things that often gets missed in this time of Christmas, because you get the birth story, you get the visit of the, what's more than three wise men now I know. Uh, you get the flight to Egypt, and you, and you get this awkward story about Herod uh, killing the children. In, in verse 16, it says, Then Herod, when he saw that he had been tricked, 
by the wise men became furious and he sent and killed all the male children in Bethlehem and all that region who were two years old and under according to the time when he ascertained from the wise men. Okay, okay, hold on, hold on. Remember, this is a Christmas Eve service. We're going to kind of tone it down a bit. We're, let's not try to talk about that. I think we can, uh, we'd all be fine if we skip it. And I'm not sure we all want to leave with that image. We all came for a good service and want to feel warm inside and bubbly, right? So let's just kind of tone that story down a but, little. But here's the thing, Ben. It's an amazing story. It's very appropriate for Christmas Eve because there's a story of hope in it. Hmm. You know, when I read this section of the scripture, I see a horrible, I think it's horrible, when I see Christ's birth resulted in brutal deaths of several baby boys. And that's scary. You know, I can only imagine at this time going around and seeing hundreds of babies. Well, and I don't want to take anything away from it. But it probably wasn't as much as you think because there, there were fewer people in Bethlehem. It wasn't like a, a mega metropolis. Hmm. Well, here in Matthew, it refers back to the prophecy in Jeremiah 31, 15, which says this. Thus says the Lord, a voice is heard in Ramah, lamentation and bitter weeping. Rachel is weeping for her children. She refuses to be comforted for her children because they are no more. I mean, as if Matthew's account wasn't horrible enough, he forces us to go back to Jeremiah to look at this story. But he wants us to continue on in the Jeremiah story because there's hope. The next two verses in mm. Jeremiah say this, Thus says the Lord, Keep your voice from weeping and your eyes from tears, for there is a reward for your work, declares the Lord, and they shall come back from the land of the enemy. There is hope for your future, declares the Lord, and your children shall come back to their own country. You see, the Lord was giving hope to a people whose children had been taken to Babylon. And, and I think Matthew's wanting to give hope to those children who had been taken in Bethlehem. And honestly, it's a message of hope for maybe there's some people here tonight um, where Christmas Eve and Christmas is not always a happy time. I, I remember back in 2012 at this very church, we did a special uh, sermon on right before Christmas Eve dealing with Connecticut. We called it Christmas in Connecticut, uh, dealing with that tragedy and that shooting. And we, we recognize that um, this time of year is not always happy for people, but God can work through that tragedy for his glory. That's a great message, Jay. Well, you kids have been waiting long enough. What do you say we get a gift? All right, guys. All right, here we go. Time has come. Wait, 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 wait. I just got two more questions. Uh, I know, I know. How many of you are how many of you are excited for tomorrow morning? You're gonna sing happy birthday to Jesus? Huh? Has it been tough waiting for your present? Well, guess what? Let me give you one more interesting thing. Between the Old Testament and the New Testament, there were 400 years of silence. I'm thinking we ought to wait 400 more minutes before we get these gifts. No? Okay. All right. We can let's pass. All right. Hold on. Stay there. We will hand them out. All right. Here you go. Here you go. Yeah? Yes, you can open them. You can open them. Here you go. Right here. Luke, here you go. Boys, go. Did everybody get one? We got one right here. Luke, can you get that one to right there? Oh, right here. Hey, buddy. Looky here. JP, you need one? Grab it, bud. Yeah. Whoa. Abby G, did you get one? All right. Has everybody got one? You guys want to show it to everyone? You don't want to show it? 
You can put it on your tree tonight. Well, you should let, will you sh- let me show yours so we can show the adults? It is a little Jesus sleeping in a little manger which says believe, and you can put that on your tree tonight. Well, Ben, we, we just showed the people four ways that the story of Christmas can get preached and kind of take away from a central, central message. I mean, pastors can pass over the genealogy and lose the richness of that passage. And sometimes we overemphasize like the word in or, or this, the wise men. And sometimes we even pass over tragic passages of scripture, but we've got to address all of them. And, and another thing people do is they get caught up in, in the traditions. Um, and we're, we're not anti-tradition, right? I mean, I have a whole buffet full of nativities. I went and chopped down my own tree this year. Nice. By myself. Manly man. Manly man. Oh, you, yes, right, you did help me. You did help me, buddy. But, and, and we love Christmas, we love Christmas plays, but I would never want a Christmas play or a nativity scene that may not be as factual as the scripture presents to us to, to overshadow mm-hmm. the main thing of Christmas. And Ben, Ben, what is that main thing of Christmas? Well, that's a good question, Judd. You know, we all know this time of year, we all have our traditions. I've got traditions, and, and I've heard kids say it. But, you know, people are facing tough times right now, maybe tragedy, maybe uh, you're on a tight budget. Um, some of you may be excited for tonight, and some of you, like you said, maybe this is a hard time of year. You've lost family or friends or someone like that. And so it's true that we pass on those good traditions, and it's true that we minister to those in needs, and it's true that we, we just rejoice with those who are rejoicing and befriend those who are hurting. But, you know, I think one thing is the world is doing that too. And there's got to be a difference. And, and, and the one thing that the world is missing that's most important is Jesus. It's Christ. You know, and so he said, apart from him, we are nothing. He said, with him, we can do all things. He says, because he lived, and he lived because he was born. And that's why we celebrate Christmas, right, tonight? Right, guys, we celebrate because of Christ, right? That's right. John 3, 16, 17 says this, For God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. Amen. Well, here's what I'm going to do, kids. When I pray, I want you to make your way back to the seats. And I just want to remind you, these poinsettias are for you. Adults, to come get, we're gonna, I'm going to pray. We're going to sing Silent Night. We're going to turn on our lights. I got you one because I didn't know if you got one. We're going to turn them on, hold them up. We'll sing Silent Night. Garrett will pray, and then we'll be dismissed for the evening. Father, thank you that tonight we can understand there are a lot of different things that are going on in the world. And there are a lot of ways that preachers preach messages Sometimes we skip over what we shouldn't. Sometimes we embellish uh, what we shouldn't. But I pray that every person in here understands the central message of what we'll celebrate tomorrow morning. Different people will do it different ways, Lord. It's, it's, it's great because you're a wonderful God who's given us many different people. But those who know the Lord Jesus will all have the same essential celebration tonight. They will thank you for sending your son to be born as a child, to live as a man so that he could die for our sins. 
And I just pray if there's anyone here tonight who may not know the Lord Jesus, might they hang around and talk to one of us. Lord, we thank you and we praise you in Jesus' name. Amen.